The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. The one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products. Uh, hello there and welcome to The Old Gold Club uh, podcast. I'm Mikey Burrows, Chris Wellamo alongside me as ever. You all right? Very good. Very You're looking very good. dapper today. Yeah, I've got Obviously, of, uh, people will see this when they eventually watch it on Facebook and YouTube. What of appearance today, haven't I? It sounds, Loom sounds very quiet to me. Oh, here he goes. Oh, there we are. Here he goes. There we are. Yanni's, Yanni's sort of sound. Come sound. Me there. No, no, no. I mean, I'm, you've you've had a go at me in recent weeks for not at all for being a little bit um, stockish. <laughs> <laughs> it's just your social media. Uh, James Henry's here. Hello, James. By the way, I'm very well, thank you, mate. Um, I, I don't know whether you follow Looms on social media. I so don't this is where he comes. Would. He does this every week. I'm used to it now. So carry on. I won't, I won't interrupt. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just that we we had this discussion with uh, Keith Downing was in the other week, and I was pointing out that um, Looms has some matching outfits, not only with his girlfriend, but with their dog as well. Oh, very nice, very nice. No, I'm not on social media. Um, made a conscious decision to uh, stay away from Is that it, so. really? You didn't want to do it? Um, no, yeah, well, it was from when I was at Millwall and I eventually left to come here. It was uh, a little bit chaotic, so I thought uh, I'll just come off it and uh, probably should get back on it because it's obviously a great platform, but I've just never uh, got around to it. So yeah. there's no, like, no Instagram, no Snapchat, nothing? Uh, I've got Snapchat, but again, Ooh. I very, uh, very rarely use it. Uh, I use it to... <laughs> To stalk some of my friends, see what they're up to, but I don't actually uh, post anything on it. When I when I played that, I never had any social media whatsoever. So you know, obviously, when at the start of any season, uh, they got the PFA representatives coming in saying you can do this, you can do that, yeah. you can post. I just never, I never quite understood it. But like you say, it is very important. You know, I think uh, even though twenty nine years old. You got to think about what comes after. You speak yeah, very it, well. Yeah. You got to think about the the whole uh, punditry thing as well, uh, and it is all about kind of having a profile. So uh, the the yeah, my missus is is, is uh, keeps banging on about me to get back on there just because <laughs> it's a good chance to to, to showcase yourself exactly. And, and, and yeah, I probably should do it. Yeah, he, he's he's still young, mate. You don't need to start thinking about punditry yeah. work just yet. He's no, I tell you what, there's not, it's not, it's not, it's nothing wrong. I was early, doing I was doing a little bit of punditry work, uh, thirty year old. You know what I mean? Going and uh, commentating on certain games as well. Well, you see, I've not told him yet, but I will try and get him to come to a game because we've had Matt Jarvis come to a game recently. Yeah, having come and done this podcast, uh, Richard Stearman has done a couple with us now. Dave Edwards has done quite a few. Yeah, yeah um, Sylvani Banks Blake has done mm. some. Looms did some with us. Um, there's a you know I've, I've considered asking George Ellicobi because I know the fans would love it, <laughs> though it might be a bit awkward uh, through the ninety minutes to get him to shut up. That's what I mean. <laughs> you'll be the cool commentating, wouldn't you? Well, you both know him because um, we've had a lot of messages from people. Thank you so much, by the way, for everyone who gets in contact with us to tell us how much you're enjoying these podcasts and just giving us little mentions and different people that you want to come on the program as well. Um, I want to read some of them out, and especially about George, because I say you both know him pretty well. Um, Eric Wolf said, um, you look at him, and he's quoted a bit that George said in uh, his podcast, where George said, I give you the look and you know what time it is. 
Uh, he said, laughing my ass off listening to Old Gold Club. I don't get tired of learning more about my amazing club. As a fan from Mexico, there's things I've yet to learn, but you and the players that have come in have made it a wonderful learning experience. Daz Clinch says, what tremendous mental strength that George Ellicobi had to overcome two bad injuries. Always wore his heart on his sleeve at the club. Once a wolf, always a wolf. Andy Gillard talking about George Ellicobi said he was probably my favourite. Yeah, he's one of my Wolves heroes. Came to Wolves to better himself. Stayed out of loyalty. Always played with a smile on his face, and this made him a fan favourite. Nothing but love and respect for the man. And Carl Cook said, only just caught up with the George episode. He gave my son his beanie when we were on the pitch following promotion at Crew Away. It meant the world to him, and I will never forget it. Thank you to him. He was an interesting character to have in the dressing room. He was, and he said about that look there, and I've I've got a good story from when um, (laughs) we were training one day, and uh, he had obviously done something that, that... was rubbish in training and uh and I said something and thought nothing of it after after training and I remember sat in the um in the physio room after and uh he's walked in and it's just gone silent and I was just sat up on the side having a chat with the boys and he has put me in the corner just absolutely battered me and there was a little microwave there and everyone was saying I, I should try and climb in it because he had <laughs> he'd given me that look and I was petrified he's a big guy <laughs> Funny, <laughs> funny enough, I, I played with George at Colchester and and here, and uh, and I remember we had a little uh, bit to do in training, and I went George, and obviously I'm, I came in about twenty six. George is what's maybe eighteen, and I, he had muscles on muscles then, <laughs> and I said something to him, and uh, Chrissy, Chrissy said he says uh, you'll have to kill me, <laughs> and I kind of went. Right. Okay. And that was that was yeah, the end of that one. But he is uh, he's one that I took to my heart. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Not very nice guy. Very nice. Yeah. Well, he spoke a lot actually about because um, obviously he stayed around for that year in League One, and he kind of had to accept that he wasn't going to play an awful lot, but he he wanted to be in and around the group and to help the group. Get yeah, through. he was always always good in training. You know, he, you know he helped the boys along the way. Um, you know, he's just a, a great character to have around the place. Now, he's actually, he and Tony Daly told us this, and he obviously confirmed it, that Dales made the mistake of skinning him in training. And the second time he tried to do it, Alakobi oh, lifted him 10 feet I in the I can't air. believe that Tony Daly could do that with his knees. <laughs> <laughs> but you must have had that in training up against George. Did you, in training, would I, you like I, I, actually... I used to stay away from him. <laughs> he lifted me a couple of times, so I used to go over the other side. <laughs> How oh, important would you say that is? You know, like, obviously, players have quality on the pitch, but how important is the character? in the dressing room you know like so a manager today he has to look at more than just what the player's going to bring on the pitch it's about the character of the player in the dressing yeah. room as well isn't yeah, it yeah definitely I think that's that's massive um, even even now but especially back then I think for that season especially after the, the couple of years that the club had had I think it was about rebuilding from within um, and trying to bring something back to the fans and trying to bring 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 unity back to the club, you know, um, and I think they managed to get that right with the the, the players they brought in. Um, I think everyone was sort of pushing in the right direction to to get the club back to where it ultimately is today. We're going to talk more about this um, in our Facebook show coming up. And um, just a few more messages here. Andy Bagley talking about another of your pals, Jack Price. Yeah. 
said he is such an interesting listen you never hear a player being so honest and self-critical well done Jack and thanks for the memories great to see you tearing it up at your new club Nick Chu says uh, just watch Lee Naylor on Old Gold Club what a lovely fella he was uh, says loves the podcast keep up the great work Richard uh, Roten says listening to the Old Gold Club in the gym and nearly falling off my exercise bike laughing at Loom's rant over the Ronaldo Messi debate um this was Lee Naylor was in, and he's played against Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. So we asked the Looms asked the question, "Who is the better?" And he didn't like the answers that the rest of us all gave. And so I'm still interested in. I'm pretty much going to bring this up every week now to find out what other people say. Because look at him; he's so angry already, and he's already looking at the guys in the back of the room. As soon as you mentioned that, I just seen a smile on Josh's face. Behind the camera, you know what I mean? That that says it all. So don't no no, no don't it's say anything else. It's opinions. That's don't, it. don't say anything else. James Henry, who's better? Um I think it was hard to ever be able to decide because Lionel Messi is never gonna come over here. So if I I'd probably have to say Ronaldo because oh, boom! Just that is all I've got to say. And you know what? He justified it before he gave the answer. Ronaldo's done it in the Premier League. Yeah. He's done it in La Liga. He's doing it in Italy. He's done it internationally. He's done it everywhere. Messi's a one-man club here. Yeah, he's quality. He scores goals. Would he come to the Premier League and do it? We'll never know. Has he done it internationally? To what Ronaldo's done? No. Ronaldo. Boom! There you go. Speak sense. Sorry, Mike. Daily said as well. That's not apologise. It's your opinion. Yeah, Let's get you. Oh, yeah. Look. <laughs> Justified it before the answer. That's all team. Cheers. Sipping his Kool-Aid. Thanks for that, James. Uh, thank you. Um, okay, let's move on quickly. Uh, uh, Wolfie P says, every week the old gold club gives an incredible insight into our club. Could do with the podcast extra being two hours longer as it finishes too soon. Keep up the great work. Hope Jez Moxie is a guest soon. Uh, Neil Ball says, such a great idea and a fantastic show. Would love to see John DeWolf on there. John Davis, great pod. Been introduced by a friend and playing catch-up. Most shocked by Carl Henry's we're not respected admission. I went to the playoff final and that was a great achievement but the squad that McCarthy built and how we won the championship will always live long in the memory um, keep those messages coming old gold club at wolves.co.uk at wolves across social media and whilst you're there also give a follow to our sponsor at wv build supplies um, we put out kind of a little thing a little teaser for who was coming on in people asking um, who are the who are the wolves players who had the best hair while they were at the club because the fan cast who i do give a mention to from time to time absolutely loved your hair when you're here, it's still looking sharp now. A bit of product in that, I can see yeah, that from you. Yeah, yeah, there's a little bit in there. Yeah. Is you were always immaculately turned out. Yeah, I did used to groom myself quite well, but uh, <laughs> no, it's a it's a little bit harder now that I've got a child. Child, and you know, you don't quite find as much time to to get, uh, trim it up nicely. And because it was you and I've done it all specially for you guys. <laughs> I did it especially because you knew you were going to be on camera. It was you and Bjorn Sigurdarsson had great hair. Yeah, he had a nice, a nice head of hair, didn't he? So I just, I just hope I never lose mine because uh, it will just accentuate my nose even more. There <laughs> <laughs> um, was, there was a, a lot of shouts for John DeWolf on the best hair. Um, Jeff Palmer, who had a kind of a curly perm in the early eighties, was a shout in there. There was a, one person weirdly gave looms. A shout out for the best hairstyle. We, yeah, Beckett, job done, isn't it? 
I can grow the afro back if you want. Yeah, could you? Yeah. I Honestly, will you do that? Because if you give me that idea, because I've been saying to Andy Thompson on commentary for years that he should regrow his moustache. If you grow an afro by the end of the season... Oh, it's hard, though. The first about six weeks in, it's at that length where you can't do anything with it. I can't even... <coughs> yeah, it's difficult, mate. Yeah, I've thought about growing my hair so many times, especially when Steers was doing his. I try, tried to do mine, and, yeah, literally, as you said, about... About two months in, it's just like, I <laughs> terrible. Because yeah, so, yeah. there was Got a thing in it. League One, wasn't there, where you all grew beards? Yeah, we. Uh, it wasn't like a massive conscious decision. I just think everyone had a beard, and you're probably looking at each other thinking, who's going to be the first one to shave it? But no one did, and we just kept going and going. And mine was just, mine just gets so ginger when it grows, and it looks terrible. But kind of matched the shirts, at least. <laughs> Can't even grow one. I feel. But envious. Well, this is the thing because I, I seem to remember you kept yours fairly trimmed. Um, Matt Darty. Doxy's was terrible. Well, that was quite long. <coughs> Steers's was big. Steers Richard Steerman's, yeah, because there's a brilliant photo that a fan took on the pitch at Crew celebrating yeah. promotion, and he's kind of screaming <laughs> at the time and his big, bushy yeah, pirate I've got, type I've got, beard. I've got a good one from us in the changing room, and I look around, and all of us seem to have. Dodgy long beards. <laughs> so there was like there was no like we're all going to grow beards. No, I think it just kind of happened naturally. And then I think I think a few times we spoke about it and said, "Well, we'll do it once we get promoted. We'll, we'll cut them off." But yeah, I think we kept them even after after we got promoted. Was, cool. I, I love that because you see like some teams like all dye their hair together or all shave their head together. I don't. I really like the idea that you all grew a beard together. But it's just turned out that way. We all had nice beards, and none quite as good as Jack Price, did we? Oh, well, yeah. This was a very Cause, nice beard. Because were you involved in the shaving of Jack Price's no, beard after he scored? No, I wasn't. No, I had nothing, nothing to do with that. But he, uh, I can imagine he was gutted when he had to get rid of that. It was a good beard. <laughs> it was a very good beard. He said he was devastated, didn't he? Yeah. Um, if you go back and listen to that, by the way, if you can do, because it is, it is great and it was a good listen to have Jack Price in. I know he's back over in America now. Um, all the very best to him. Um, one thing that I wanted to talk about on this part of the podcast, because we've got kind of um, differing ends of the scale for this debate, really, uh, on either side of the table for me. We have uh, what I would describe as a great goal scorer in Chris Wellamo. Thank you. You're welcome. There you go. I've said something nice about you. And then we've got someone who is a, a scorer of great goals in James Henry. And that element of, you know, that I've just been showing you, Loom, some of the goals that he scored in his career at Wolves. Like, unbelievable finishes. No, I've got to say, yeah, outstanding finishes. It's, uh, I think you, you, you ticked all boxes. You know, it's... I wouldn't say prolific, but when you scored the goal, it was very memorable, wasn't it, for yourself? Yeah, especially for, for Wolves, they seem to be uh, uh, quite memorable ones. I know most people remember the, the last-minute goal against Bolton, yeah. um, which was a nice one, and, and probably the Sheffield Wednesday one uh, here, at, here at Molyneux. So, yeah, I tried to, uh, tried to score a few nice ones when I could. Did you, <coughs> coming into your match, obviously you, you knew that you, you could score goals at that, but what was your main priority? What was did you? Was it all about making goals for others? Because assists, the quality, you you could see that pass, you could execute it. What was what was your focal point? I know you want to bring everything that you can to the match, but what was your main scoring goals? It's the hardest thing to do in football. But what was where did you get most joy? 
Uh, probably assisting at, at the time. Obviously, I was a wide player when I when I played for for Wolves. Um, so trying to create goals was probably my main objective. Um, but I think it's a dying art of getting in at the back post and scoring the tap-ins nowadays. They they were some of the more most enjoyable goals because they're almost like a freebie yeah. getting in at that back post yeah. and just having having a tap-in. Um, so yeah, I'd say probably probably creating was probably my my biggest aim going into a game and and obviously just working hard, you know, trying to trying to help my fullback when I could and and, and keeping the team in, in check. My thing is when you're in that position, um, is there a, a, something that goes through your mind? Are you told beforehand, like if you're in this position, shoot, or is it just so off the cuff that you're thinking? Because if you're normally thinking, I need to set somebody else up. And then suddenly you're thinking, actually, I'll go for this. Yeah, I, I can't explain what it is. I think sometimes you just it just opens up for you, and you just think you've got no other options, and you just think, right, I'm going to try and hit the target here. And you know, when they uh, when they fly in like they did, did did quite a few times with Wolves. It's a it's a great feeling. You know, like uh, in, in matches when you do take the shot on. I think you you obviously created so many goals uh, for others. Did they have a you know, and we see we see some of the, the great finishes that you've done, but you you obviously take on a lot of shots because you know you've got that in the bank. Do the players have a go at you for having it? Or I think sometimes, yeah. Obviously, there are times when you don't see the pass and you think, right, or you just shoot because you think oh, I might score here. <laughs> um, so sometimes you do get a little, hey, come on, I'm on here. And you just got to hold your hands up and just say, yeah, sorry. That was uh, probably the wrong option, but you know, for every every one that goes in Rosette, there's there's the one that goes in the top yeah, corner. Yeah, exactly. Because this is the thing: is so what what is it better to be a great goal scorer or a scorer of great goals? Because well, I'd say a great goal scorer. Well, but the the fans will remember. The, the great, fans will remember the, the one goals. or two, but at the end of the season, if you've got twenty goals over four great ones, I know I'd rather have the twenty goals. Personally. I think I have to agree. Yeah. I think, like you say, it's, it is the hardest thing to do in football, isn't it? Is put the ball in the back of the net. In my opinion, being a striker. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now now I'm playing a sort of more different role, sort of ten or centre mid. I get yeah. into the positions where I'm sort of more in the box, scoring goals now. And you know, they're just as hard. You know, that one that that cross that comes over and it you might only be four yards out, but it bounces right in front of you. Yeah. It's just like a little touch. They're just as hard. The amount of times like you, you've done it in training, where it, you're four yards out, but it bounces off your shin, so like it goes, when yeah. it goes over the bar, and everyone's going, "How's he missed that one?" But they're they're just as hard, and it's sort of that repetition thing. And you know, I've been doing more and more of it now that I've been playing in that ten position. I'm scoring more goals like that, um, and it and it is it's just as hard as scoring that thirty yard one in the top corner. You said there about the, I guess, helping your fullbacks out and that defensive responsibility as well. How how much of a priority was that? Was that were you were you all round thinking, or was it because there's some players that don't have that way of thinking at all? It's just about going forward, scoring yeah. goals, creating chances. It was very but, much drilled into us by Kenny Jacket. Right, you know that was sort of he always sort of harped on about the teamwork of the team off the ball as much as as much as it was on it, and I think we had such. Such explosive players in in the other three attacking positions there with with Sacco, Nua, Benick, and you know I sort of had to know that I couldn't quite 
go quite as much as them forward because sometimes I had to be the one that was sort of playing a little bit more tucked in. And we also had Dom or Docs who, who were natural bombers yeah. as well and they were so quick. So they were always on the overlap. So I knew that sometimes I might have to fill in, which which was fun. Can we ask you about Matt Doherty? <clears throat> because he is he's just <clears throat> continues to astound a lot of people that yeah. the, the way he's taken to the Premier League now and people talk about him as a fully-fledged surely an international player as well obviously you've known him a long time played a lot with him down that side did you see this coming uh yeah maybe not quite as much as as he's progressed i think i think docs was he was always unbelievable going forward and he was almost caught in between was he a winger was he a fullback and i think the way they're playing now with with the five at the back is just perfect for him you know he can get forward and also he's He's obviously got himself in great shape. You can see it now. And he can get back in as well. Before, he would make those unbelievable runs forward and he was getting assists and, and maybe couldn't quite do the defensive side. But he's he's really grown and you, you can see it now. I think his, his stats speak for themselves, don't they? Like he's one of, the, one of the best full-backs in the league. Yeah, well, there's a yeah, there's a, a shout. Um, I think came from Steers actually the other day saying to me that he's you know he's got a good chance of being Player of the Year again. Yeah, definitely. He's, Which, uh, given the not. squad that they've got now, yeah, says an so, awful lot about it. Yeah, he's doing excellent. It's great to see you know one of those those boys that sort of have come up the whole way and he, he's still there and you know still doing really well for the club. Do you not think it's crazy how you said there? Uh, it's the formation that he plays that allows him to kind of. It's his attributes, his strengths. If it wasn't that formation, do you do you see the same player that has a freedom? And that's it's 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 I think it's so bizarre how small things or formation. There's certain players in a team that allow players like yourself because you knew that players could bomb on you. You'd sit in and hold, but it has to be a balance. All those things have to fall into place for you to see the best of someone. And that's that's the crazy thing, you know. I think that's down to I guess the manager. He knows the players, the strengths, the qualities that he's got, and he thinks this formation fits everyone perfectly. But there might be a player who's again got so much quality attributes that he can come, but the formation doesn't quite work, so you don't see the best of him. And it's I just think it's this is football. No, I think we complicate it. Matt Doherty, he's went away. You see that he's in the best shape ever so he's realised quickly you know that I need to make sure that I look after myself so I can go do the defensive side but the formation as well the players that allow him to, to go and be as expressive as he, as he can be I think it's I think I think that is the strangest thing for me that if it wasn't if it was a normal 4-4-2 or whatever 4-5 whatever it may be you might not see that, that, that player flourish the way that he has Well I wonder how much um, him having to fight for his place and uh, for a large part of his Wolves career kind of helped him because when you first came in you had Sam Ricketts yeah I had Sam playing behind behind me and you know Doc's had to bide his time really I think you know um, I I think when he first sort of came back into the side he was playing a little bit more on the the left hand side left full back Um, so he's done he's done unbelievable to stay with the club the whole time the progression the the change of managers change of ownership and you know he's playing with better players now and you know it's just making him into an even better player himself and you talk about um the how a formation suits somebody as well Connor Cody yes yeah that, you know, that's one that I I wouldn't have seen myself and that's why you know these managers are are so good like they've come in and 
he's he's noticed that he's a player that can can get on the ball and you know read the game really well. That's one thing you probably didn't see as much from him in midfield. Like now, when you watch it. It's almost like he he just reads. He always knows where he needs to be there and gets on the ball and keeps it simple. And you know he's uh, he's doing unbelievable. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, Steve Holland's uh, Gareth Starkey's assistant was at the game the other day, and I was there. Like I kept saying to him, like you're gonna take Conor Cody, you're gonna take mm-hmm. Conor Cody in your next squad. It's a great character. You've got to take him. You've got to take him. Which uh, now that I've said this on the podcast means if he does get a call up, I am gonna claim it. <laughs> I, cla- I claimed Matt Jarvis's call up. <laughs> Back in the day, I'm going to claim this, but he has been unbelievable. And the fact that he is now effectively club captain as well, you've been in dressing room with him. He's such an unbelievable character. To have yeah, around. he's a great guy. He's, uh, he's full of energy. He's, uh, he, he's never going to be a quiet guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a great way to sum up <laughs> what he's like in there um, we'll talk a lot more um, about the players that you played with in your Wolves career and some of the big moments of your Wolves career as well to come uh, when we get into the show properly as I say as ever if you have anything that you'd like us to ask our guests or talk about in general at this part of the podcast oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk is our email address at wolves across social media as well. The show is coming next. Wolverhampton Builder Supplies is your one-stop shop for all building and DIY products. And now they're giving listeners of the Old Gold Club an extra 10% off of the already low prices. It doesn't matter if you're a professional builder or just looking to put up a shelf at home. Just tell them in store that you listen to the Old Gold Club and you'll get an even better price in store. So check them out online at wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk Then head to their yard at 372 Bilston Road, Wolverhampton or give them a call on 01902 500 140. Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Alongside me as ever, Chris Owellamo. And our guest this week spent five seasons at Molyneux, making 120 appearances, scoring 22 goals and 19 assists as well. Welcome to the club, James Henry. Hi, how are we? I'm very well. Good to see you again. Thank you, thank is, you. It's is nice this almost, Yeah, is this the first <clears throat> time you've been back? Uh, no, I think I've been back to one game, possibly. Um, but yeah, it's nice to... to come back and have a look at the old stomping ground well the place must seem very different i mean the buildings are still the same but yeah obviously it's a totally different club now i expect to 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 what it was when i was here but um you know it's still amazing coming and see the the stadium and the facilities are are still top notch in all fairness i guess the atmosphere when you were here was was excellent as well the fans what 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 are the differences to now would you say Obviously, just walking around the place, you know, even just walking through the the, the tunnel and stuff, everything's changed. Uh, all the layout, the, the changing rooms and everything's different. Um, but, you know, as soon as you walk out of the tunnel, the, the stadium's still fantastic, isn't it? It's, uh, it's a great arena to play in. Because the club, when you arrived, was obviously on a, a... was just starting the road back from one of its lowest points of recent times. Yeah, obviously, they'd had a couple of... Uh, back-to-back relegations I think it was and you know it was a it was a rebuilding process for, for the club and you know it's uh, it seems to have worked because uh, look at them now what was it like when you first walked in because it was what Kenny Jacket gets you to come in yeah when I first walked through the door I think um, 
I signed on on loan originally uh, with a view to a permanent, and um, they were, um, I think they were third or fourth in the league. So things were going in the right direction already, and you know it was just just a case of positivity around the club at that sort of time, and you know it just kept growing and growing and growing um, uh, the longer I was here. You said that you signed on loan with a view to a permanent. Was that one of those? A permanent. When yeah, you, since you walked through yeah, the door, I, you knew, knew. I knew in in January that it was it was turning into into a permanent deal. It had already been been prearranged. Right. So on <clears> that, then you said you knew that it was a building process. <clears throat> Did you know? I guess the size of the club in itself, or like, you know, obviously you're coming from 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 the championship. You're going down to League One. We've already spoke <clears throat> uh, off air about uh, about playing at the the highest level that you want to. Was that a, was that a hard decision for you to make? Yeah, obviously at the time I was I was at Millwall and and playing in the Championship, um, so yeah, I had a decision to make. But um, you know, coming here and the infrastructure of the club and and, and the history of the club, it, it kind of made it that little bit easier. Um, and knowing the squad as well, how how good good the squad was for for League One, I, ju I just felt it was the right time. You know, I've been at Millwall for five years as well. And, yeah. You know, I just felt like it was time for a change and. And to to come to a club as big as Wolves was um, and still is, um, you know, it kind of made it that little bit easier. Is that something? Did you have to speak to to family? Did you have to speak to friends? Did you did you call around? Did you know any players in the squad before you before you came? Yeah, I knew Scotty. I'd spoke to Scotty Goldborn and and just said how's things going and and you know the usual stuff and um, obviously it's then a decision that you have to make within your family. You know, you speak to to your partners and you know because it is a move. Um, it's a move. You have to, you know, uproot and and you know commit almost go all in and you know it worked out. Okay, so how big a part did Kenny play in that? Because you played for him before. Yeah, obviously Kenny was 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 my Millwall manager as well, so he played a massive part. And you know it was a fairly smooth transfer, really. You know he called me and said that would it be something I was interested in, and you know I said yeah possibly, and you know it, it sort of went from there. Because I was trying to say to Looms earlier, like Kenny liked <clears throat> to work with people he'd worked with before. Like Benick had had a loan spell yeah, yeah. with him before. I think George Savile had had a loan yeah. spell with him before. Obviously you had. Uh, I think there probably will be one or two others. <clears throat> Did you get that from him? Like he, he, knew, he was bringing you in. Obviously he knew you could do it in League One, but he also knew that you knew what he wanted from it. Yeah, I think so. I think Kenny, um, he, he knew how to manage... Uh, certain players, especially myself, he knew how to get the best out of me, and you know we had a good relationship. Um, so that was probably a factor in him thinking that I could come here and you know sort of do it straight away, not take too long to settle in, and you know just hit the ground running. <clears throat> when you when you came when you came to the group, you, all, you you touched on it there already about the the quality players. Obviously, League One, it's, but it's not a, it's not a given that they're gonna just take the take the league by storm. You know, like when you come into the, the, was there any question mark over if you could fit in? Could you bring something positive to that that squad? You know, the quality players, but you have that belief in quality in yourself as well. Yeah, I think whatever club you go to, you want to you know hit the ground running and prove to almost your teammates that that you're a good player. You don't want to yeah. you know take too long to to settle in and you know I, I managed to do that. Luckily, you know I kind of hit the ground running and you did so. Yeah. It was. Um, you know it was exciting but even as a team we were still we were still building ourselves you know it probably wasn't until 
after January that we sort of really kicked on. You know, I think we had a couple of um, couple of dodgy results at, um, leading 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 up to January, and it was just sort of after that it all clicked, and you know, we just took the league by storm. Because you were effectively <clears throat> like almost part two of Kenny's rebuilding of probably three parts they did in that season. There was the initial <clears throat> summer bit. Then there was kind of you and Michael Jacobs and viewers who came in. And then in that January when Lee Griffiths and a few others went and Newer and a few others then came in, it's it was a it was a process all the way through that year. Yeah, it was a process. I think he was sort of mindful of it that he was building for then the championship as well. Because, you know, obviously we had a fantastic season, got ourselves into the championship but there wasn't then loads of change the following season you know he had sort of built a squad that could get us promoted but then also compete in the championship and you know we showed that in in the following season I think um, we were unlucky to not make the playoffs I think was it the only or the first team to get 76 points or 78 points and not make the playoffs so you know we were unlucky that season and probably my biggest regret of Wolves was not being able to to get get that last playoff spot that season. Um, right at the start of your time there, when you came yeah. in, two assists on debut at Colchester, and I was saying to Lewis before, three goals and three assists in the first five appearances. If there's ever a way to introduce yourself to a new club yeah. and a new set of fans, that's not a bad way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, it sort of worked perfectly. You know, I came in and hit the ground running, as I said said earlier, and it just sort of kicked on from there. You know, it was. It's nice. It, you sort of get your 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 feet feet under the rug, as they say, um, straight away, and sort of, you know, it just makes it that little bit easier to settle in. I think uh, <clears throat> you you do score some very memorable goals. Uh, I'm surprised that you said that it's assisting probably that 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 you're it's it's a priority for you. Is that? Is that the truth coming out of you there? Is it like because it's like one of them? There is there can't be a better feeling than scoring goals, but you you seem like so level headed, so all round defensive responsibility, creating for others, but scoring scoring must be. There is no better feeling than scoring, but at the same time, I think football's such an all round game now. It's not just about scoring. You have yeah. to you have to be creating, and just as much you have to be doing your defensive duties and and making sure the team's solid when they're out of possession so you know there's a lot a lot that goes into to one game really it's not just you know I'm going to go out there and try and score as many as I can today um, but you know the more I've changed positions now that I've gone a little bit more central you know I am thinking more about can I arrive in the box and score here score yep. there and it's less so much about assisting and, and, and more about scoring for myself now but you know back then it, a big part of my game was you know laying on goals for others can we talk about um, one of those goals and a big game of that season that kind of stood out from those of us on the outside point of view of as a, a big moment in the year, which was the trip to Brentford, which was kind of late February. Brentford were up there challenging as well. And obviously you'd gone through, there was a bit of a change in January, the striker situation had changed and you're settling in. And then you go and produce this big, big performance at Brentford, including a goal from yourself, did that at the time? Did you, as a group, think, yeah, we we were onto this now? I think so. I think yeah, at the time it was it was us, Brentford, and Leighton Orient that was sort of battling it out as as you say for those top three, top two spots. Sorry, um, and you know to go away there and you know it was a big game. You know, us against I think we were top at the time, or we might have been second. And, 
it was top v second and you know it was a it was a real big game and we knew that if we went there and you know produced it could could really kick us on and you know it did it was a good game it was a really good game I think Jakes he was unbelievable that day and Michael Jacobs, know, he scored yeah. two goals himself didn't he that day and you know I had a really yeah. good one yeah obviously you scored one <clears throat> well I have to say that you, he's, he's, said, he's said it's a cross James can you just it, it wasn't a cross, but in all honesty... <laughs> please, please go hard on him. Go no, as hard it, as you want. It wasn't a cross at all. I was definitely aiming it for the target. It looks like a cross. But I was aiming for the front post. So. But you just hit the opposite back stanchion. the bottom. Back in the corner. Peel around. Yeah. I thought I styled it out quite nicely. But it looked like it was a 100% that's where I was aiming because I've sort of shot and carried on running and celebrated. Because so. it, like, it was a slightly weird angle to be going for. But you managed to pick it out. Yeah, it was uh, one of those ones where it's sort of like a hit and hope, and you know, luckily for us. So there was some hope about it. Well, obviously, I think every shot you hit is a bit of hope, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> so yeah, seeing it uh, flying the far top bins was uh, was was very nice. I've got to say this: that I've this is never I've never experienced this, but you you go and you get that vital win late in Orient. You win promotion, but you don't actually know until you're on the bus. So talk to me about that moment. Yeah, that was a that was a really sort of surreal moment. It was sort of jobs done. I think was that to win promotion or was yeah, that to win the title? That was yeah. for the title. So you won so at that, Crew. Yeah, we won at Crew, which which was amazing. Obviously, the, every, all the fans ran on the pitch, and you know after that sort of point, it just felt like not that we didn't have to try, but it just felt like we could turn up and turn it on. It yeah. was it's sort of that surreal feeling where you just feel like you're invincible, and you know the Leighton Orient game it was sort of the icing on the cake really well because it came didn't it because you'd, you'd they'd had the promotion moment yeah. at crew and <clears> then you'd had the 6-4 against rather yeah that was a crazy game wasn't it yeah. I mean I'd I never stop <clears throat> never tire of talking about this because say we had Jack Price in and Scott Goldborn in and just even now you ask fans what's what the greatest 90 minutes you've seen that will come up more often than not yeah it was um I think we had like three pitch invasions during the game, didn't we? It was <laughs> it was crazy. Sam Ricketts scoring. I think he was the only player to not score up until that point in in that season, and and he scored a a worldie to make it five four. So yeah, it was a a very entertaining game. Because you then go to Leighton Orient on uh, Easter Monday, yeah. I think it was. So it was an early kickoff. It was on telly, and it was Leighton Orient was still trying to push. Um, yeah, Get they were still closer. going for for third, I think, with um, with Brentford at the time. Yeah. So you know, it was a big game for them as well, and you know, we just turned it on again. We actually started the game pretty poorly. Um, I think Steers got us back into it. Yeah, or was it did, Sacco? Yeah. Steers, Steers, and then Sacco's deflected goal, and and, and then, then you ping one. Yeah, last distance. last minute, I just I just come back from a groin injury, and you know. I thought to myself, what am I doing shooting from this far out? Because it was still a little bit sore, but it was nice to, to see it fly in and celebrate with the, the travelling fans because we had a great turnout that day as well. So as Loom says, you were on the coach because <clears throat> Brentford then dropped points and that's what sealed it. Yeah, that was it. So, you know, we didn't actually fully know until we were on the way home. So it was, uh, you can imagine how... Uh, how good a ride home that was! How did how did, were you watching like soccer? Yeah, Saturday? we just had the soccer Saturday on as, as you always did, and you know I think we kind of knew anyway because I think they even if they won, it was pretty. Much. I think it was um, a case of our goal difference was was astronomical, so I think we we kind of knew with that win that that we had done it. So even even with that group of players going into the championship, <clears throat> were, were were they ready for it? With you know obviously there's going to be new additions. <clears throat> 
but we're, we're, was there a great belief that yeah we can go and, and do well in the championship yeah I think so I think we, we sort of hit the ground running the first few games I think we beat Norwich at home was yeah. it in our first game and you know it was a big scalp and we were like yeah we're here and then we had a little dip off and you know it was it was kind of one of those ones where we we felt like we could challenge and compete in yeah. that league straight away I think we had um, some some good players still you know Sacco and you know Benick and you know, we had a Danny Barth at the back who was commanding and Keems in goal it was we had a real strong team that we believed was good enough to compete in that in that division and you know we, uh, we, we made a good go of it It wasn't easy for you at the start of that though was <clears> it because Rajiv Van Lepara had come in and right at the start of the season, you kind of had to fight your way back into it. Yeah, I did. Um, I think that's the same with any good team. You know, you're always going to have competition. You're going to be in and out of the team at certain times. And, you know, um, I just had to bide my time that season. And, you know, I still think I played the majority of games in that season. But, you know, it wasn't all plain sailing. Because how hard is that? Because, you know, as you say, you were Kenny's man. Kenny had bought you knew Kenny. Kenny knew you. He'd bought you in. You'd done the job in League One, and then he yeah. brings someone in in your position. Yeah, I know. It's um, it's weird. Me and Kenny had a had a strange relationship. Really, it was, you know, there could be a month where he had he would see something from me, even though he would managed me for years, and he wouldn't like it, and it would be in his head for a month, and I'd know I'd just have to sort of bide my time and wait until I got that chance again, and then show him something else that he might not might not have seen in me and you know it was always sort of that to and fro in between us and you know we never actually had to speak that much we kind of just knew yeah. knew with each other he knew when I wasn't performing I knew myself when I wasn't performing that sometimes I might have to come out of the team for a little bit and you know train that a little bit extra harder and you know get myself back on form yeah but competition does get the best out of you yeah, you already touched on it with Doherty you know I think he's had that time where he's got to fight for his place yourself but that can go one or two ways there's players that like you say they've got that relationship with the manager they're thinking why is he doing this to me why is he bringing in a player I've heard, the, I've heard all those gripes those moans well wait a minute I've, I've scored this many goals why is he bringing in another striker but this it does it drives you but some some players can have head loss and they go the other way yeah, as well it's different. everyone's different aren't they everyone has different different mental spaces and some yep. people like the competition some people like to be the main man as I say and you know I think um, in any walk of life you just have to um, do the best you can and you know if things aren't going well you've got to be the one that makes it go well so if some people like to be the main man, some people like competition, which do you fall into? It's nice to be the main man, isn't it? <laughs> but at the same time, obviously, competition only breeds better performances, I think. Did it help in all that scenario that you knew what Kenny was like? Because you yeah, mentioned him not so. talking to you for a month or so. Like I can, I can fully imagine that. Yeah, I think so. I think we sort of just had understood how to manage each other, if that makes sense. He knew... That when he'd need to speak to me and I knew when I needed to speak to him it was never we were never like two to fly off at each other or anything like that it was just a it was just a relationship that we've built up over the years uh, again looking at go, coming scoring against your, your old club as well that must be a, a kind of, it's, it's one of them when I, when I, I had a lot of clubs so <laughs> I've done it on a, a few occasions but it is, a spe, it is special isn't it you want to you get a little extra 10%, 15% out of yourself when you come up against, you've got a point to prove, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think I, I played against Reading sort of four or five times and scored in 
three of them, I think. I so believe, yeah. it's uh, it's one of those ones where it is always nice, and you always think, oh, should I celebrate? But <laughs> I think adrenaline just takes over, and I well, your celebration, did you? So you celebrated to be Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bit disrespectful, but um, it's one of those ones. M- madness of the game you can't help but uh celebrate well because we, we've got to talk about it because I, I say i was showing looms some videos of your goals and you did you celebrate you run more in celebrations than you would do in the build-up yeah, to the goal i was saying the looms it's just to get my stats <laughs> up <laughs> yeah kenny liked his stats so uh, it's an extra sprint on the records because <laughs> did you ever plan a celebration uh no very rarely very, very rarely. It was just sort of let the emotion take over. Did you ever plan a celebration, <clears throat> Lewis? I had a few players come up to me. And like, I remember Wardy, uh, Stephen Ward used to come up and say, oh, great, if you score, I want you to. Uh, but yeah, it was just one of those things. But, you know, when you're in that vein, sometimes you just, yeah, you know you're going to get on the, the, the get a goal. And uh, I, I, I usually just like to go to the corner, keep myself to myself. You know, Jarvo, I had to apologise to Jarvo on here because he made a great assist for me I went to celebrate to him a bit a metre from him I've turned and went to the fans oh, and he's jumped brilliant. up to, oh it was look, when, I look, when I look back I cussed up mate it was cussed all that and the rest you know what I mean but uh, yeah I've planned a few in my in my, in my see because this is the thing because you would like jog away to the corner and stuff so everybody can come and join you whereas you James like you're sprinting away if I was on your team I'd be like oh, I'm, let, I'm leaving it I'm letting it go I'm knackered that's why I'm jogging <laughs> to the corner so I can the longest point from the the the, the to, uh, to the centre circle from my rest walking back but you're sprinting mate that's, that's not me it's not me at all well because we've got to talk about the Bolton goal because <laughs> yeah. there's two parts to it so we'll talk about the goal first and then the celebration aspect of it afterwards because it's what 2-1 down deep into stoppage time of that game yeah. and the ball drops to you midway inside their half 40, yeah, it's good 40 I think, yards I think it was a long ball from Keems and it sort of broke yeah sort of just outside the centre circle um, I think it was Bennett was it or no it might be Danny Bath who just got a toe on it and I don't really know what I was thinking shooting from quite that far out. It was a long way out, wasn't it? But, you know, uh, it sailed and, yeah, the celebration was, um, that was one where literally I just couldn't control it. I didn't know what I was doing. I think I, I ran past every single one of our players. I think Keem's thought I was running to celebrate with him. And then he was like, I did the same thing. Like, give, give the, <laughs> give the custard pie. Like, he's put his arm out. I've just gone like that in front of the fans. And, um, yeah, I think they uh, they almost scored, didn't they? Like, yeah, they kicked yeah. off as we were because we were all in our own half, and you know it was one thing that I took from that is to to never run. Well, you were all off the pitch. Yeah, that was the thing. It, was it? Stay we, in the other half. That's the thing. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. we had literally turned round and we're looking and we're like, what's going on? They were attacking us. So uh, yeah, it would have been uh, would have been a bit nuts if they had gone and scored a winner. Because I just goal. I love it. I remember that goal so much because obviously we're up in the press box so we've got like the high wide view of it and I've just seen him hit it and he's gone sprinting off and he's got hairs flowing as he's gone powering off and gone into the away end behind the goal. Keems has run into it. Everyone else has run into it. And I remember being on commentary going, they've kicked off. They've kicked off, and Keem's kind of Keem's is like the Keem's first, the one, first to notice. one to notice, and he's sort of gone, "Oh God, what's going on?" So it was a, a moment of panic after that. Because we also had it as well um, <clears throat> on our commentary. We, there's some Bolton fans in front of us, and they were they were great with us all game, and we're kind of chatting and bantering with them at half time and stuff. And I always remember it because on commentary I said like James Henry, and he's stolen it. 
and the guy turned around and you can hear it on the commentary goes you have stolen <laughs> do you know what I'm not going to lie I have seen the commentary back and yeah it's, uh, it was a memorable one from yourself Mikey it was a, I mean it was a it was a big <coughs> goal though wasn't it it was a big moment as well it was yeah yeah you know um, it was a good point away from home at the time we weren't um, I think we have we not won for like five or we'd lost a, quite a few in a row I think we were kind of on the way out of a, a difficult spell. So it was sort of like keeping the momentum going and, you know, it wasn't... Um, was this the second season in the champ? Uh, I will look that up in a second. But yeah, I think it, it was, was. I think it was... We weren't flying. No. And, you know, I thought every point counted at that stage. Obviously, we were well safe come the end of the season. But, you know, it was a, it was an important goal. And I think it was fourteen fifteen. Was it? Um, yeah, it was. It was kind of at this moment. Rubbish, then, but yeah. Um, it was just at this moment where you kind of you just <coughs> you just had a, a home draw, goalless draw with Charlton, and you had that kind of moment where it's like, <coughs> where's this season going to go now? Yeah, yeah, possibly. I, I remember I hadn't been playing too much at the time actually, and even after I think I remember scoring that goal, and then I didn't. I don't think I entered the field for the next three games. Um, so it was kind of a weird moment for me at Wolves at the time, but um, yeah, it was a big point in the end. Then um, it's a shame it wasn't uh, wasn't for a win because that would have pushed us into the playoffs. Well, because the next away game was the big victory at Huddersfield, um, <clears throat> and then you kind of you, there was a defeat at Norwich, but then there was a, a big win five 0 over Rotherham, three 0 over Fulham, went away and won at Cardiff, where I think Steers had cleared it off the line in the last minute and. Then there was the the Watford game, which had the famous um, Jack Price yeah, yeah. lift up celebration that we talked about with him, and it's kind of it, it began that period where you say you very very close, only goal difference kept you out yeah. of the playoffs. Yeah, it was disappointing, obviously, for goal difference to be the deciding factor come the end of the season. I remember being on the bench um, on the last game of the season. I think we had Millwall at, yeah. Millwall at home and. We were there watching the other results and we are like, oh no, we need to score two or three goals. And yeah, it was nuts. Would it have been too soon to have got promotion with that group of players? I don't think if there's ever a thing too soon. I don't think it's ever too soon to get promoted to the Premier League. But yeah, it possibly could have, you know. Um, there's been a change of ownership since then and, you know, a, a big, um, big boost of money uh, coming to the club. So I think that's obviously helped. Uh, help the club to progress and um, I think it was just a shame that we didn't get a chance to to have a go at it because um, you know we had a good group of players at that time and it would have been nice to to know get them into the Premier League because that was the end mm. of Sacco we've gone at the end of that season yeah. um, Newer then got injured at the start of the next season and Benick ended up leaving as well so that was kind of the end of what I would term as the fabulous fall. Yeah, definitely. I think it was sort of the, you know, the end of the start of the rebuild. Um, I think obviously everyone knew it was a, it was a not a short term thing. It was sort of a five six year plan to get the club back to where they wanted to be. And you know, I think everyone that had played a part up to at that point sort of started leaving, and you know, new people were coming through the door, and it was it was changing again. It was sort of kicking up again. There was more. There was new players coming in, better players, and it was, um, yeah, it was a crazy time. You know, like uh, I think with a with a manager, I think we, I, I'll speak about Mick McCarthy here. You know, I think he protected the squad a lot. You know, and I think that's the responsibility of a manager. I don't believe a manager should go out publicly and and say anything. 
But there is expectation to get promoted. Uh, is that something that the manager did it filter into the squad, or was it something that you you knew that he was under pressure to get results? Is that something that that was uh, very evident? Yeah, I think Kenny, even in that League One season when we won the league, he was bringing us in all the time. He wanted to he wanted to break the record. He he always wanted to win and do things right. And I think he he um. He always wanted us to perform to the best that we could. I think, I'm not sure that season he had sort of promotion in mind. I think it was just establishing ourselves as a championship club again. Um, and I think, you know, we'd done that and probably done a little bit more mm-hmm. more than we needed to that season. But as I said, just being so close was such a shame, just a just fall short. Because did that bring extra pressure then for the following season? Because I think it certainly did from supporters. I think I think so. I think we then thought hmm, we might have cracked this. We can we can really push for the top two even. And you know that season didn't quite work out like that. It was a little bit of a, a disappointing season. Um, you know, albeit we still regained our our championship status. And you know then it changed again. And Kenny left, and uh, and uh, Walt Zenger came in, new owner. And then that's when there was the bigger change. There was a lot of change then, and sort of a lot of people started leaving, and and sort of a whole new. Um, atmosphere was being created around the club we're going to talk about that on the podcast extra um and we'll also talk about the fabulous four or was it a four was it a three from the dicko of phobie sacco because you were left out of the song i, I have my own song there, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're just going to finish off uh this little part with what we call the rundown um, so and I know we're springing this on you, but we like to try and get just a quick name out there, and we'll go into it a bit more on the podcast. So well, who... I'll go first. I'll go first. I'll go on then. Mix it up. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, best player that you played with at Wolves? Probably Kevin McDonald. Okay. Yeah. Who's the Who's the worst trainer at the club? Matt Doherty. <laughs> I tell you what, Bob. This is this is this is the rundown done properly. Yeah. Biggest mourner. Uh, you can include well, yourself. Yeah, a lot of people probably say <laughs> they, they, yes. they have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, me. Um, who was your best friend at Wolves? Uh, probably Danny Barth and Docks. Uh, best and worst dress sense? Best. Um, I'm going to give him this, it to the same person, Scott Goldborn. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, he's got a bit. He's got, got a bit, a and he's also got a bit of dodgy gear as well. <laughs> so I'm going to give him both titles. Uh. Okay. Who was the funniest player that you played oh, with? That's Kev Mack. Easy one, that. We're going to get some stories on him <laughs> in the podcast extra. Best manager you work with? Uh, Kenny Jacket, and as a coach, um, I only had him briefly, but Brendan Rogers was a top coach. Um, what was the best goal that you scored for Wolves? Uh, Bolton has to be, doesn't it? Or maybe the Sheffield Wednesday goal. Because you know I like the Sheffield yeah, Wednesday yeah. goal. The Sheffield Wednesday one was nice and, and it was with the lefty. What was the best game that you were involved in? Involved, it was definitely the, the Rotherham game at home. It was just a crazy atmosphere and you know it was exciting. And what was your proudest moment at Wolves? Uh, achieving promotion. You know, after the, the club had had a tough couple of years, it was... Uh, it was a cool moment to be involved in. The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. Get 10% off in store when you quote Old Gold Club. So that was the show. On with the podcast. Um, we'll get to Kevin McDonald 
and the training ground very shortly. Um, I do like the fact, though, by the way, that you accepted that you were the biggest moaner because we were going to have to bring this up because you have been brought up in other people. Yeah, no, yeah, it probably was me, yeah. There was a few others. It wasn't just me. But Who else was a moaner? Sam Ricketts actually used to luck a little Really? Bit. Yeah. Constructive yeah, moaning? Yeah, he was constructive moaning. I think you moaning. would be I, as well. I thought, mm, I can't, oh, you yeah. have that nasty safety. Yeah, yeah, no. I was more just the, like, oh, God, we're not doing this, are we? Just the, and then I'd do it. I, I'd always do it, but I, I don't know. Maybe I'll just, maybe it was something in my psyche that, I just used to like a moan. Are you still like that now? Or have you mellowed? Um, I've mellowed a little bit, but yeah, I still like a moan. Who doesn't like a moan? <laughs> I love this. Um, so the four, we're going to go for the four. Uh, it The song, obviously, was all about the three, but I always class you as the four. Did that ever stand out to you? It wasn't something that really uh, I took notice of that much to be honest obviously I thought it was just because my name didn't rhyme with the song <laughs> what was your song? Uh, it was so inaccurate it was uh, it was a joke it was the I asked my mate the other day if he had seen the White Palais see I, I don't mind that I think that's alright oh it's a great song but it was just probably not my style of play I was probably nothing like Pele was I <laughs> I was slow and could cross a ball <laughs> So I'm trying to think. I when I was here, it was Sylvan had the best song, and I thought it was you know it was one of them. It was like what was it that na 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 Sylvan even, and I thought yeah that's that's got a lot about it. You know what I mean? I was a bit envious of that to be fair. What do you say? I was like da 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 Georgie yellow. That was a good one. Yeah, again, yeah. But see, because it was for a moment. I think it was almost like Nottingham Forest away was when I probably I first was aware of the dickophobia sacco thing. Because Benick scores a great goal yeah, yeah. in that game, like running from halfway and stuff. And like, I, I don't know, I always, I always just felt like, I always felt for you, it's like everyone talks about the three. It was four, it was a four pronged attack. Yeah, well. You made, you made half the goals, that's what I'm saying. You, it's you it's fine, yeah. I like to go under the radar. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't, a, I mean, that time, I say, we mentioned the fact you nearly got to the playoffs. Like the style that you guys had built at that point, was that the best era of Wolves that you were in? Yeah, it was just sort of so free flowing. I think it almost felt like we didn't have positions. It just felt like we could all interchange. And then you threw Edo in there, and you threw Jakesy in there as well. And you know, it just sort of we all interchanged. Sacco would come inside. One of us would go outside, or vice versa. Edo would make that run out wide into the right that he made so well. And I'd come inside then, it just sort of clicked. But on, on a on a serious note, you know, you, you touched on it there a bit with, with Kenny Jacket and the relationship that you had. When he left, how did that affect you if it if it did? Yeah, obviously there was a lot of change going on at the time and you know, that season I, I'd actually had a really good pre season and Kenny was still the manager in pre season and, and Walt Zenger came in and I just I didn't fit the, the mould that he was he was going for which is fine and you know sometimes as a player you have to admit that you don't fit well, give, that stuff. give us more give us more what do you mean you didn't fit the mould as in as in I kind of knew that he wanted the really quick wingers which I know I'm not um, and I always wanted to try and come in field anyway and you know I probably knew that I had to leave to to, to try and do that and um you know, I just 
couldn't see where I was going to feature in his plans. Right. Um, you know, we didn't really have any dialogue, but Which is be- between us, you know, I, I think even even to the day I left, we didn't hold a conversation um, about myself or, or what he saw for me. Um, so I kind of knew that sort of my time was 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 coming to an end. Because um, <clears throat> we talked right at the start of this podcast about players fitting <clears throat> certain styles and formations and things, and. Uh, Walter tried to play a, a kind of a different variation of four three three, didn't he? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was different to say. You know, when he first came in, it was it was just he had such a short amount of time because he didn't have preseason. He literally he had a came, week. He had a week. Um, you know, and we were cramming so much tactical work into that one week that it it was difficult. But you know, he done well to start with. It it, it worked, and you know, um, obviously then I left and. And uh, didn't come back because it, it's funny, isn't it, how things work out sometimes? That that first um, forty-five minutes at Rotherham on that opening day, and it, I don't think it was working. And no. then Dom got sent off, yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah, I can't remember. Some, it was a Helder that came off uh, the bench. Shalte Shearer came on in that game and made a big difference. Yeah, and John Daddy came on, did he as well? John Daddy, I think, is John Daddy started. He was started. the only one of the new players. Yeah. Who started that game? Yeah, it was obviously it was uh, sort of after that. I think he had a little bit more time. He had the next whole week. I think that week was sort of he had gone with what Kenny's team was going to be, but with his style of play. Um, and then after that, he sort of started, you know, making making his mind up on on who who he saw fitting into to his system. So how did you cope with? Because you went off on loan <clears throat> initially. And I remember talking to you around the time because it was difficult because there was um, so many players had come in. There wasn't room in the dressing room at Compton for a start. It's um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because obviously you'd had such a successful time here, and you know sometimes you have to admit yourself that that you need to to move on. Um, and I think that was the biggest thing. Um, I think the the hardest thing was only having sort of three or four days to sort it out because obviously I was in Kenny's plans when he was here and it changed so quickly that it was then like right I've got to try and find myself something, something else here and you know probably rushed into it going to, to Bolton at the time and when I probably should have stayed and stuck it out because I think if I had I might have after Zenga left I think I might have had a chance under Paul Lambert I think he was I was probably his type of player. Yeah. I was going to say that about having regrets. You know, you said there about <clears throat> not having that dialogue like with Walter Zenga. But that's something that you can control as well. Yeah, yeah. That you can go chat the door and say, right, Gaffer, what is it you want from me? What's your expectations of me? How can I put myself in yeah, there? Yeah, and, and I probably should have done. I just, I think I got it in my head that it, it wasn't going to work out without speaking to anyone, you know. Um, I probably should have sat down and spoke to him and said, Am I in the plans? If not, what can I do to get myself in the plans? Exactly. But I think it was kind of one of those ones where I felt like I probably had to move to to progress again, and um, you know, took the decision to move to Bolton, um, and ultimately got it wrong. You know, I didn't play as much as I wanted to there, and had a chance to come back in January, and you know, was sort of speaking to the club a little bit and you know they were sort of like your your chances are going to be limited but I think I should have come back because I think if I had come back I could have forced my way in under under Lambert even under those 
uh, with those last few months remaining because you know they were struggling at the time as well. Yeah. Um, and I just think I was more his type of player than I was Zenga's. And so <laughs> Oxford is where you've ended up. Yeah. Enjoy it? Yeah, it's good. Obviously, um, I knew I was going to have to go down probably to recreate myself. Um, I think for a long time, I, I've always been a central player, but I think um, when I was younger, I sort of, because I had a good delivery, I just got shunted out wide. And, you know, the game out wide is now becoming more and more and more about pace and power. And, you know, I, I admit I don't have that, but I do believe I've got a good footballing brain and, yep. you know, good technique. And, you know, I knew I might have to go down to that level to to um, to showcase that and you know uh, you know I'm doing all right there. When when that time came, uh, obviously you hadn't figured as much as you wanted to at Bolton. What what interest was there? A lot of interest there that you that you had a choice, or was it was it difficult thinking right? You know what I am going to have to drop down a level to try and build myself up again. But you like you say you're in the central now. That even even here at Wolves with Walter Zenger, is that not something that you think you could have? pushed that he wanted pace yeah. down the way could, could you not have then yeah possibly I think as well when a new manager comes in I think they they do know who they want in and around the squad and I think I might have just not fallen into yeah. being one of the players that, that, that was in his plans um, but yeah I probably should have had more more dialogue with him as you say and sort of spoke to him and said look this is what I want to do because I even had to do that at Oxford I went to Oxford and you know they saw me more as a winger and took me a couple of months to like actually say look I signed there as a 10 um, and you know like the rest of this history I've been playing there and you know scored like 25 goals in a year it's not bad at all um, right Kevin McDonald <laughs> talk to me most of my stories with Kev are actually outside of football. I've got some great ones, but I don't think they're probably applicable on here. <laughs> um, he is um, just a hilarious character. He will make everyone laugh. Uh, he had a he had a real good relationship with the the kit men, and um, used to make not fun, but used to have a little bit of a dig at one of the boys all the time, and he was just hilarious. Him and Pricey were like a double act. Because there's so many <clears> times where we'd be at the training ground and we'd be out in reception. And you'd look up, and Kev would just be in his pants, and he'd come out to talk to the receptionists. It just always that was just Kev though. That was just a normal day in Kev Max's life. I think um, pants and flip flops. Yeah, if he wasn't, um, I think that was just him though. I don't think he was particularly trying to be funny. I think he was just he was just a funny guy. Like you couldn't help yourself but smile when you saw him every day. Because wow. there's a little rumor of um, that there was a, a pre-season trip to Ireland. And a rumour of you in a fountain. I can neither confirm nor deny that that was... Uh, <laughs> that's true or false. <laughs> Were you not topless in a fountain? As I said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make of it what you want to, but um, possibly. It's a good trip with a good group of lads then. Yeah, as I said, you know, we had a real camaraderie, not just on the pitch, it was off it as yeah. well. It, um, I think that's what probably made us so successful on it. Um, was that everyone had such a good bond off it, and you know we gelled a lot. That, you know, probably the most the the most I've seen at a club um, off the pitch. You know, we used to do things. We'd go cinema, Nando's, nights out. It was just sort of all very tight knit. Do you miss that? I do. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, uh, still to this day, it's still you know this club's probably the most memorable moments in football that that I've had. 
I think Kev always made a <coughs> real, he gave it a good go now, the, the fancy dress at Christmas do's and parties. What about yourself? Where did you go? Come on. I'm trying to think. I think we just done Christmas jumpers here when I was here. I don't think we actually dressed up. It must have been some Kenny, big Kenny wasn't Kenny wasn't a mad lover of um, Christmas do's. I, I don't think any manager is. I don't yeah, I think we I just have to accept it. I can't, uh, I can't imagine Kenny yeah. would have been... He got, he got burnt home. once when we were at, um, when we were at Mill. <laughs> I think the police turned up at the training ground a couple of days after, so I think after that it always scarred him to give you a proper couple of days to, to have your Christmas day. Because in his <coughs> Looms's day, they were planning it in pre-season. Well, it was planned. We were the fine started. Oh, the everyone does, yeah. for the Christmas. Yeah, I think everyone does that. It's, uh, it's usually it, yeah. Then it's the then, you, then you think about the theme probably as the season starts. Right, what we're going to do is it going to picking be, names out the hat? Yeah, that's it. Be a fancy dress. And then obviously Naughty November. A, is it triple triple November? Is it Naughty November? No, we call it. Yeah, so, Naughty November. Yeah, get doubled, tripled. Yeah, I think that's the moment, the month where most people get fined because you kind of forget a, a little bit during the season, but then everyone's like, "Oh God, we need a bit of money in the kit here," so <laughs> yeah. everyone starts going, "Oh, you got split pops on." So yeah, sort of builds a bit of a pot. Because I think I've seen um, sometimes they have like a, a wheel in the dressing room where yeah can... I've not been involved in one of them but a few few of the boys I've got on Snapchat seem to seem to be doing that luckily I haven't had to do one of them because it'd probably be just my luck I'd get triple I love it um, just to finish off it's kind of a, a thing I like to put to a lot of people that um, how would you like to be remembered just as a a good player that was a nice guy it's quite a humble thing, isn't it? I mean, I know it's a difficult question to put to people and stuff, but, you know, when, when people look back in the history of the football club and to, for you to be in amongst some of the names, I mean, you look around this room, some of the people who are on that wall, do you yeah, ever just, stop to think of what you achieved here? Yeah, obviously, all the time. It's um, I had some great memories from this club and was was really proud to have helped the, helped the club on the start of their... Their, their new journey and um, you know it's obviously something I'm really proud of and you know getting the promotion and um, but but most importantly it's just to to be humble and be hope that I was a nice guy when I was around the place and you know that I made made people feel welcome when when they spoke to me. Thanks for listening to the Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts.